What's up, queens? It's your host, Ro. Do you like female dating strategy? Would you like to see us expand on a lot of different platforms? Then please sign up for our Patreon. We are currently targeting a $10,000 per month goal, which would allow us to work full-time on female dating strategy content in order to expand on different platforms and upgrade our media presence. As a special thank you to our current Patreon subscribers, we will be increasing our upload rate for our bonus content to be weekly on Fridays, as well as offering a special discount for paid annual memberships so please check out our patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy that's patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy thank you let's start the show what's up queens welcome to the female dating strategy podcast the being is female only podcast on the internet i'm your host ro and i'm savannah and this is lilith and today we're going to talk about managing a dating rotation AKA scrotation. Scrotation. So this is one of the more controversial ideas that we talk about on FDS. And it's controversial to both men and to women. For men, it's easy to understand because they think that if women are dating multiple men at once, then they assume that you must be sleeping with all of them. And then that uh, leads into, you know, patriarchal ideals about, you know, female sexuality and, and purity and so on. But um, with FDS, we, we tell people that you can have a dating rotation and that doesn't mean that you're having sex with all of them or any of them even. Um, what is the purpose of a dating rotation? It's basically to not get too hung up on one guy, pretty much. Yeah, not, not get hung up on one guy and not to get into a place where you feel desperate and lonely because then you will act out of a place of insecurity instead of a place of security. Yeah, and a lot of women on the subreddit um say that they don't want to do a dating rotation that they agree with everything with fds but that's the one thing that they don't want to do and we're going to address some of those faqs common complaints uh in this episode but i guess first of all let's talk about like what are some benefits of the of the dating rotation before we get into the objection handling i think for me one of the biggest benefits is um because i tend to get invested very quickly into relationships and I think since I've started this rotational dating I've been able to maintain a really good amount of distance from especially men so for example I'm not checking my phone when they've you know if they've like text me back in a reasonable time sometimes I you know I can I can even forget to text them back occasionally and it just gives you that perspective as well I mean when you are it's almost like a job interview right so when um, because I've been involved in recruitment before it's so much easier to see who the top candidate is compared against other candidates because they'll do something that essentially sets them head and shoulders above the rest of them um you know so it's almost like that and I I just feel it's if you're only seeing the one person you know like Ro touched on before it's easy to get into that scarcity mindset um especially if we if we sort of agree that you know like high value man is rare I mean we say rare but you know there's like seven billion people on the planet there are a good number of them even though they're rare at the same time um it stops you getting into that scarcity mindset as well and also it's fun (laughs) it's fun (laughs) it's fun I like the attention yeah that's exactly it it's fun if you're doing it right it's fun you have to really you have to be ruthless about your boundaries and that's why we're so quick to say you need to cut people off because the more you engage with low value men the more it brings down your energy and you know part of the rotational dating benefit is that you start to flex that boundary muscle right learning how to say no learning when your energy is being imposed upon by some scrody type energy because sometimes you just know right you just you can feel when the energy shifts in a conversation and you're like you know i'm not feeling this and if you are you know doing it right you start to know okay i need to end this conversation i need to end this interaction either now or or possibly permanently yeah um, it, it, and the other thing about a dating rotation, it makes it much easier to see red flags when they do occur. Yes. When you're only seeing one person at a time and you're feeling more invested in that person, it's too easy to look past red flags or rationalize them because you want to keep seeing that person because you don't have anyone else in your rotation. There's no one else on the bench. Um, 
But when you have more than one guy in your rotation, you tend to... I don't want to say devalue men, but you don't idealize him. You're less likely to idealize him. And it makes it much easier to walk away at the first sign of disrespect. Yeah, exactly. Like, you'll take them off the pedestal. And a lot of women say, um, oh, you know, I can do all of these things while still dating one person at a time. Like, I just have to be careful about not idealizing them. I just have to do this and this and this and, and so on. And I almost, I don't understand that because... Um, you can't just will yourself to having a different attitude. Like the way that you act when you're dating more than one person at a time and the way that you act when you only have one person in your roster, it literally does affect your attitude and your perception. I think it's unrealistic to say like, I can just will myself to have a different perspective. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you just, you won't see your full buffet of options, right? If you, if you're only dealing with one or two guys, you won't really know what's available out there. And there's, there's certain things that, you know, I, I, experience with one man that I'm like oh okay from now on I need this in my relationship that I may not have known if I had just like been focused on one guy you might have even known that there's guys that will do things that you might might not that you might like but you've never explored your options fully so you don't know it yet it's you know the the purpose of rotational dating is also to just kind of understand what things you need and every every guy is going to bring something different to the table even low value men they might have one or two areas where they where they kind of shine but like they're just sucky overall and that and that's how you get sucked in right it's not like they're all all the way horrible there's usually something about them that 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 does attract you to them but the drawbacks are too large so i think if you start to understand okay what kinds of things do i actually like and what kinds of things are deal breakers and i think fds has done its best to try to create a map of what deal breakers should be then um, you can really get closer and closer into understanding the type of guy that's going to make you happy. Yeah. And another objection that's, re- that's related to what you just said there, Ro, is, um, I, you know, there's so few high value men out there and I really struggle to meet even one guy who meets all of my standards. And so I don't think they cannot imagine, you know, uh, the possibility of having more than one guy who meets their standards in their dating rotation. And I'm going to be real with you, like when you're in a, when you're doing a dating rotation, not all of them are going to be high value men. Even if they seem high value at first, you never know down the line, they could be, they could turn out to be low value. And that's the point of vetting, of um, incorporating these guys in your dating rotation is they're not all going to be perfect, but sometimes, you know, (laughs) sometimes you got to get a bunch of quarters in order to get a dollar, right? (laughs) In order to have all of your needs met, you just got to get more than one guy like sometimes you'll have one guy who meets your need in one area but you don't see him as husband material for whatever reason but you enjoy spending time with him right here right now you know why not like go on a few dates and have fun and and do fun activities and try new restaurants and so on right like yeah just because you don't see this person as your future husband doesn't mean that you can't uh enjoy each other's company right here right now Right. And that's why you're, again, your cutoff game has to be ruthless because if you cease to have fun, don't go out with them. Don't waste your time. That drains you, right? Exactly. I can't tell you how many times I've wasted time and I'm like, why did I do this? Why did I drive across town? Why, you know, why did I entertain this for much longer than I needed to? You know, if you start to get fiercely protective of your time and energy, then it should it should be all happy fun times, right? It shouldn't be like a big drain and a big depressing thing to take on. Exactly. Yeah. I think a lot of women imagine a dating rotation and they picture all of their bad past dating experiences. And they think, what if I just had, instead of one guy treating me like shit, I have like five guys treating me like shit. The key is, is that you only include guys in your dating rotation. If you enjoy your time with them, if they make you feel like shit, then you cut them off you cut them off, like, obviously. Um, but yeah, like, say say there's a guy, like, one guy I had in my dating rotation, he was a lot of fun, but he was one of those van lifer guys, right? So he didn't, like, have a house or anything. He lived in a van. But I gotta say, he was a really good travel buddy, and we did a lot of fun activities. He lived in a van down by the river? Like, literally? I mean, he didn't always park it by the river. But... Like, Saturday Night Live? Like... <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I had him in my dating rotation. We saw each other for a few months, and I I knew right then and there, like this guy is not husband material. Like he's not. He's also just got that like nomadic lifestyle. That's not uh, a good fit for 
long-term relationship material but you know what right here right now like it's summertime uh you know it's it's fun like why not you go you go to the beach you do different activities together um why not it's it's a pleasurable experience yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> um so the first your first point was the benefit and then your second point was yeah the so we talked about the benefits of rotational dating and I did want to talk about some like I, I think I've already addressed some of the common objections which is you know how do I manage dating rotation when most men are trash? Here's the thing though. Um, with rotational dating, men are always going to be on their best behavior in the first three months. And so even if there's a possibility that he's not going to be as awesome as he was up front, like even if in the future he stopped being that much fun, I say like, why not enjoy those first three months when the guy's on their best behavior, right? Like, right. <laughs> even if he turns out to be low value later on. Um just exploit their desire to be on their best behavior in those first three months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause I see on the subreddit a lot women saying, um, you know, Oh, he could turn out to be low value in the future. So there's no point in seeing him or um, whenever we, we have a post in the handbook that's called establishing queen energy from day one. And that post was really a game changer for me and for my approach to dating. Um, and a lot of people, so almost like um, critique that post or that the idea behind that post, which is if you have to put on this whole front and act a certain way and do all this stuff in order to get a guy to treat you well, when, you know, he wouldn't be treating you well, if you weren't doing these things, then you don't need a man like that in your life. And it's partially true in the sense that, yeah, you don't want to like marry and have kids with someone like that, where the guy is only good so long as you're putting on this like, you know, ruthless alpha bad bitch demeanor right so yeah he's not husband material but that's the sort of guy where if you establish queen energy from day one he knows that he has to work hard to impress you he's only going to do that for three months so you may as well enjoy that first three months and then as soon as he drops the act that's when you move on right and then he, you know you thank him for, for the uh the free dinners and then he can go on to reddit and rage about meeting a girl from free dinner strategy and <laughs> It's not even about the free dinners. It's just if, if the person... I'm just kidding. If he's on his best behavior and he's... Because guys, when they're on their best behavior, um, guys can be a lot of fun to be around when they're on their best behavior, but not so much when they're not on their best behavior. Um, so may as well enjoy his like desire to impress you. <laughs> Why not? Um, oh, yeah. I, I see that another... I just want to back up a little bit and explain like my sort of uh, philosophy on like the impermanence of dating or the impermanence of relationships, which is that I see a lot of women saying things like, there's no point in dating men, like 99% of men are trash. You know, he's just going to leave, you know, we're going to get married, have kids together. He's just going to leave me for his secretary, half his age and so on. Yeah. And while those fears are definitely well-founded and valid, I do just want to say that there is value in I don't know. My, my personal opinion is like, even if that man might leave me 10 years from now, so long as your memories with them in the present, you know, during those 10 years are good, then who cares if it's going to end one day? Like, I, I pretty much don't care if a relationship is going to end someday. But all relationships end either through death or separation. That's exactly it. All relationships end someday through you're either going to break up or one of you is going to die. Like all relationships end. And so I ask women out there to look inside of yourself and ask yourself, are my expectations of a forever relationship, is that serving me, right? I find too often women go into relationships looking for their soulmate. And if they can't find their soulmate, they think there's no point in dating at all. But it's like, who cares if the relationship ends 10 years from now, if the time that you spend together right now is good. Then again, that brings us back to the current has to be good right you have you have to actually be enjoying your time with that person and so if you're getting married and you don't actually like this person or you don't enjoy spending time with them then yeah like if you break up one day it's gonna suck that much harder because <laughs> you wasted all this time for nothing right yeah you're not like booed up with one guy and then feel like you invested all this time in a guy that didn't work out in my personal opinion i don't really care if we're gonna break up someday i'm not really interested in having kids so that's not really a factor for me for me i'm just really about enjoying my present with this person 
And the, the thing is, you have to actually enjoy your time with this person. That's why you have to cut them off with the first sign of disrespect. Um, but you know what? Even if he leaves you in 10 years for, uh, you know, his secretary, who cares? <laughs> if, if the time that you enjoyed with that person was good, who cares if it's going to, if they're going to break up with you one day? Like all relationships end one way or another, either through death or through separation. That's it. So the next common question we get is, how do you find enough men to fill up your scrotation? Because like you said before, there's a lot of men who are low value. And there's a lot of men that are just like flat out a waste of time. How do you find enough men to fill up your scrotation? Where do you meet men? This is where I'm going to mount a defense of online dating. I know online dating is a controversial topic on the subreddit. A lot of women swear off it, say, you know, it's like low value. And, you know, yes, the criticisms are valid. I think with online dating, you know, the shit rises to the top. It's really, it's really easy to see all the low value men at the top, which is a blessing and a curse. But anyway, in terms of the rotational dating, I think online dating, because of the sheer number of men on there and the fact that women are the minority on these apps, if you are looking to practice, say, you know, your, um, you know, your dating skills or to meet more men, then online dating is a godsend. Or even, you know, not even necessarily online dating, but online events such as, you know, Meetup, for example, or, um, or something like that. But just getting online can be a godsend to if you're looking to meet more men I think people who dismiss online dating can sometimes forget that not every woman lives in a city or lives in a place where has hobbies where there are a lot of men so online dating can be a really really good way to connect the only caveat I would say is if you do meet a guy on an online dating app is to is to do the pre the pre-screening call before you meet and to meet as soon as possible so don't have um, a relationship on Tinder for six months. Like, don't be talking to him on Tinder for six months. Like, try and meet up to do the pre-screen and to meet up as soon as possible. But this is where I think online dating can be a useful tool um, for women just to come across more men. Um, ultimately, if we if we accept that finding a high value man is rare, then you know, the more men we meet, the more likely we are to come across one. It doesn't make sense to me that the people who say, oh, you know, you know, you know, that high value men are so rare, but then they're dating one man a year. I was like, you'll never meet one. Um, and, and the only way to meet a high value man is to put yourself out there um, in, in, in the dating world. That's not to say that every man is going to be high value, but there is there is something to be said about about numbers just the more men you meet the more likely it is you the more likely it is you'll come across one it's just mathematics yeah I, I used to use online dating a lot more pre-fds i mean because i start i i joined fds around the same time that the pandemic hit and so i haven't really been act that active with online dating um the people that i've been on dates with are people that i know from friends or from friends of family uh just because i find it's easier to vet those people that way i know that they're not like you know you can get a sense if i can hear from my friends and family if they're the sort of person who wears a mask or if they're good about you know trying to reduce uh their risk of getting coronavirus whereas with online dating you have no idea what that person is like outside of that date right um but yeah online dating is not um I don't think it's the worst, I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's a playground for predators and so on. I've met some pretty good guys on online dating in the past, actually. This is all pre-FDS, right? So my standards are, are different now. But the, the way that I managed online dating before FDS was, I'm almost embarrassed to tell this story because it's going to make me sound like a monster. Um, but basically, I would set my location to Alberta and then I would meet guys who worked in the oil fields. Um, this is a very specific dating strategy that's very like Western Canada specific. So I don't think this will have broad appeal. Um, but the reason why I did is because guys who work in the oil fields, they're young, but they also have money. And so if you want to date a guy who has money, but isn't an old man, that's like a good option. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of people doing that. There's people that um, put different zip codes in their Tinder so they can get a different uh, type of man. Yeah. Like radius of guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, I would literally, like, because I used to travel a lot um, pre-FDS days as well. So I'll literally set like, a different country and the guys would be like so confused. They'll be like, you're in the UK. Why have we... <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it was great like i suppose you can sort of almost manipulate i guess the sort of guys that come up <laughs> in a way that's exactly it like your locate you know if you're in a university city you're more likely to meet guys who are like young and broke <laughs> exactly i lived in a university city and i didn't really like the other guys that were in my age group or in my city right um now, here's the thing. When I floated this idea in the FTS Discord, a lot of women were horrified at this idea because they were like, um, you know, oh, a lot of these guys, they tend to be conservative or they tend to not have the same educational background as me. Or we don't ha see the same things like politically. They're, you know, usually chauvinistic and so on. And while that is partially true, I have to say that um, my experiences dating, you know, working class guys, a lot of them were conservative. Um they were generally pretty wholesome in general. In my personal experience, I can't speak to, to everyone, but um, these guys, <laughs> they were so starved of female affection that they would have no qualms about driving like 16 hours to have a date with me. And I love that. Like, I, I, I love that. And so what would happen is they would basically drive through the night to have a date with me. And at the end of the night, and oh, and here's the other thing. A lot of women were concerned that... Um, oh, if he's driven that far, then he might try to pressure me for sex. And while that did happen, there were a few guys where after the date, they'd be like, oh, are you going to come back to my hotel room? And I said, like, no, you know, it's like I had a great time, but, you know, I don't, uh, you know, don't want to have sex on the first date. Some of them did get sort of aggy with me, like, um, you know, oh, I drove 16 hours and I spent all this money and you're just going to, like, make me waste it, blah, blah, blah. And see, here's the thing. That's when you say no and then leave and then you know never to talk to that guy again right so if you are afraid of being pressured into having sex on the first date you know just that's that's on you that's a boundary setting issue so yeah but mo more often than not surprisingly the guys would just be like oh that's okay i had a really great time i hope i get to see you again like they were so cute and so wholesome right like they were just so excited to see me yeah they're just so excited to have a date with a woman yeah i mean high value versus low value isn't really about income it's really about their character and that yeah. I mean, as, as someone who's dated across income spectrums and ed education spectrums who's who dated working class guys as well as like highly educated guys um it's really a crapshoot and you know there are pros and cons to dating either type you know either either your type a white collar workers or you know, blue collar workers. So I don't think that's, that's not unusual is what I'm saying. Like I, I can co-sign that that's, I've experienced that as well. Exactly. Yeah. Like there are some really great, decent guys who are working class. That doesn't mean they're poor because these guys working on the oil fields, they were making like six figures. Um, but they were just, you know, they had a high school education and I was in university and, um, I, I actually found I had a good time. We we would go out on dates and stuff. And, you know, some women are like, oh, we'd have nothing in common. We'd have nothing to talk about. You find things to talk about. If you have good enough people skills, and especially if they have a good character and they already have that, like, baseline of respect and, like, decency, um, you know, there's no reason why you can't enjoy one another's company, right? And also, I mean, I'm also low-key kind of like a redneck, even though I live in, in the city. So, I mean... <laughs> We'd like go out sometimes like I dated one guy and we'd go out and like rip around on our dirt bikes and stuff. And so that was like, that was fun. Like we, we did have some things in common, right? So this might not work for everyone, but it worked for me personally. And the reason why I liked this as a dating strategy is because they were only in town for like one or two weeks every month or every six weeks. And so that's how I managed to date like six guys at once, right? Like the, you would just manage your time. Work. Yeah, exactly. You would, I'd have like six long different long distance boyfriends and they'd only be in town like not all at the same time obviously but every week i had a different boyfriend and they'd come down and we'd go on dates and they'd spend a bunch of money on me and we'd have an awesome time and you know what like they enjoyed it they were having a good time they weren't feeling hard done by and i ended up um all of this came to an end when i ended up actually having a relationship with one of them but he was only in town for like two weeks 
every six weeks. So he'd be like two weeks off, six weeks on. And he paid for an apartment for us to live in, for us to share. But it was mostly me just living there by myself most of the time, which I loved. And then when he was in town, you know, we'd, uh, you know, he had somewhere to stay that was not a hostel <laughs> and not his shitty parents' house. And we had a good time, right? So that's how I've managed a dating rotation in the past. That was a positive online dating experience because I would not have been able to meet these guys were it not for online dating. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a tool. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's a tool in your arsenal. I wouldn't say, and I always, you know, I've said on the Discord as well, I think a hybrid approach is the most optimal um, if you can stand it. Because I know online dating can be really, um, it can be really difficult for women, especially if they've just been going through what's essentially the garbage. But I do think some online dating apps are better than others yes i was gonna say that like i've mentioned tinder but tinder i would say is probably the worst of the pack yeah um i've had success on on other sites such as hinge even before like i was fds i actually had good success on reddit of all places can you imagine what <laughs> on reddit yeah when i was like i think this is must be when i was about 18 and i just started um using reddit i actually had decent success on reddit yeah i had a, i had some good success on okcupid that seemed to be yes that as well yeah yeah that's how i met all of all of these guys i met on okcupid yeah but tinder is just because tinder doesn't allow you to filter enough like it's just whoever right yeah and i know they have their algorithm or whatever but it doesn't make sense to me and it's just too many men just like looking for poly or clearly looking to cheat or just yeah it's just like blatantly Plus, I like OkCupid's questions because then that helps to get to know their attitude a lot better. Yes. Whereas like Tinder, you can literally leave everything blank, right? That just tells you nothing. It's just such a waste yeah. of time. Yeah. So I guess I guess we are saying maybe drop Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck Tinder. <laughs> yeah. Tinder, I would swerve it. It's, yeah. Guys on Tinder have to see, seem to have this attitude like if you're on Tinder, that means you have to fuck me on the first date. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's their that's their sort of attitude. Whereas on OkCupid, it's not a given that you're gonna that it's a hookup app. Like people are using that with the understanding that they're looking, or at least some guys will use it to try to hook up. But at least you are you have the you know legitimacy to be like, no, I'm looking for a relationship. They can't just be like, well, why are you on Tinder, right? Well, Tinder was the first, not the best. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, finding so we talked about finding your scrotation online. But what about real life? So I would say for me, I'm a person that like, obviously the pandemic kind of clipped my wings on this, but I actually do like to go out and be social. I would do a lot of like local social events and I'm a pretty like outgoing extroverted person. So I don't know. I don't know if this would be the best strategy for people who are more introverted, but for people who are like, who are people, people and like to go out, go out and talk to people, I have found like going to events where there's likely to be a lot of men of like you know if you're trying if you're trying to date by either social class obviously like paid events are going to be a way to weed out guys that are maybe you know not doing as well financially. I, I don't even know if i want to say it that way <laughs> like, uh no that's fair enough that's, that's fair enough i also found like when i was a student like public lectures were quite a good place to meet people and men as well yeah they still do there's actually quite a few um there's like a, a lot of people that do these uh live talks and they're usually from different authors that have a book out you can go to those type of events and you'll find you know people that have a similar interest in any particular author or artist or whatever that you uh, are interested in um book yeah book tours are pretty good um festivals gaming nights um i try to do some of the meetup like dating stuff and it's always full of weirdos have you ever done meetup no i don't know if that's a u.s thing so there's there's a um like a social meeting app called meetup.com i found meetup to be like not not bad dudes but just like very socially awkward guys <laughs> so i probably would skip that if you're looking to meet people in real life but they they used to have like these um these uh like meetups for singles or bar crawls and everything and i didn't particularly like those um but there's also like sports leagues like amateur sports leagues um like there's soccer beach volleyball 
Um, and don't worry if you're not that good at athletics. Like there's, there's always like the people that shine, but there's a ton of other people that just come to drink afterwards. <laughs> so I think it's just a matter of getting out there, getting active, being active in your community and like practicing your flirting tips. Right. So, um, I know we should do another episode about like flirting specifically, but I think, you know, practicing your people skills, learning to, um, you know, bridge conversations, you know, if you, if you can find these different niche areas to meet guys, then you can build your rotation that way. I've met a couple guys at the gym, actually. Yeah, I have as well. Here's the thing, though, is like meeting men at the gym can be fraught with uh, awkwardness. And I don't like the guys that just like come up and hit on like every girl. Um, what I've done, the two, I've only met two guys at the gym. And both in both cases, it's because I go to the gym at the same time every single day. And so I tend to see the same other people because they also go at the same time every day. And so if I see the same guy, we tend to like, if I like him, we'll kind of like look at each other, make eye contact, you know, maybe I'll like go over there and, oh, how many sets do you have left? Like, oh, okay. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Eventually, you know, we get to talking and they ask about my program and I talk about it and they ask about them and so on. And so it's back and forth. And then we exchange numbers, like, right. So it's about like the repeated you don't want to just cold approach, right? Like you want to have it be someone you see regularly. And then if you kind of look at each other and there's some maybe mutual attraction there, then you go for it kind of thing. But I would never respond to a guy who was just cold approaching every girl at the gym. Yeah, those guys are creepy. But yeah, if, if you you build familiar, familiarity, if you go to the same spots all the time. If you go to the same gym at the same time every day, because you usually meet other people who are also like that. And that's how you make friends is you just, it's just repeat interactions. Another underrated place, uh, car shows and sneakers, sneakerheads. Really? Yeah. Oh. Um, car shows, you can meet guys. A lot of those guys, you, you'll meet guys all over the spectrum. There's single guys as well as like, you know, families. But, um, and I actually like cars. I like to go there. Um, if you're into any type of uh, like alternative sports, like X Games. Mm, yeah. That's also really great place to meet guys another good place um and i think a place that will likely increase your chances of coming across a high value man it's not a guarantee but it's through volunteering yeah that too um especially for something like a social justice cause or um like a listening like volunteer service i i found at uni it tended to attract people who genuinely cared and who would work really really hard because your volunteers you're not paid so there's no incentive to actually do a lot but for the intrinsic value yeah of doing it yeah yeah exactly but like the guys who worked really really hard um and really really cared about their cause they were always high value men with, with that there's a lot of uh charity runs yes like 5ks and marathons if you're lucky they'll also be athletic types so they'll be running for a charity and so you can meet up doing one of the training sessions if you want to run for one of the like sign all the charities have usually have some kind of sponsor team you can sign up to train with their sponsor team and you'll you can meet guys who are you know i'm running for the american red cross and you know during training you'll make friends that way definitely i i that is a good strategy and i've met guys um you know um working volunteering for the sdca and stuff like i don't know if any of you have ever like fostered dogs but you can meet people from volunteering for for um for animal shelters however i will say beware of the like self-righteous like liberal virtue signaling guy (laughs) yeah (laughs) because those guys do tend to also get drawn to these causes and they will actually go to these causes specifically to like pick up women right a lot of them are like they're like basically like soft boys right like fuck boys but they appeal to your emotions instead of your body so yeah, you can meet high value men there, but also be aware of that specific type of guy who's pretending to be high value. The smug, porn sick, soft boy, like you said, yeah. Smug, porn sick, liberal, virtue signaling soft boy. And and the flip side of that, there's also like the uber conservative guys. So you'll find those a lot of times at like the Christian charities. So if you do a Christian charity run, be careful of those guys because those are the guys that are like, oh, those poor backwards brown countries don't know what they're doing in life. You know, they have this very condescending attitude towards people who are like different it's it's like benevolent racism and benevolent sexism and it can be kind of icky to be around yes benevolent racism oh man i could rant for hours about those like charity like mission 
mission trips and stuff. Yeah. 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 But that's that's a topic for another video or another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyways. So now that we've talked about where to find your scrotation, let's talk about some techniques to screen out all the bad guys. Since we're on the subject. I mean, the thing is, is once you've browsed FDS enough, you'll know what are the bad things to look for. It's just a matter of having the, uh, being committed to the idea of letting go and just cutting them loose as soon as you notice a red flag. Having the guts to follow through on... Having the labia to follow through on your actions. Having the labia. <laughs> <laughs> Big ovary energy, yeah. Big ovary energy. You gotta like, you just gotta do it, sis. Like... I know it sucks and sometimes you see you meet a guy you know and I know that feeling you meet a guy and he takes all of your boxes and he's like 99% perfect but then there's just that one thing about him that's just slightly off and it's going on you know in the back of your mind you're like oh I don't know but then you're rationalizing it don't don't fucking rationalize it it doesn't get better yeah if your gut is telling you no it won't get better. If anything, it'll get worse. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. I've seen it's happened to myself, to my friends, where they have that that one almost Achilles heel in the beginning. Oh, um, you know, it's isn't that bad, they tell themselves, or I've told myself, and it gets worse. It, like people don't tend to improve in relationships over time, especially men. Yeah. Um, you sort of have to set that sound at the beginning and learn to trust your intuition. And it's tough because women are socialized to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yes, even when they don't deserve it or haven't earned it. Yeah, and, and be forgiving and so on. And so don't do that. You really have to. And that's actually another benefit of the scrotation is it. Multi-dating, I find, has helped me undo a lot of that socialization. When you get in the habit of saying no to guys, it's like a muscle, right? The more you do it, the easier it becomes. Um, but if you're not used to saying no to men, or if you're not used to cutting men off, the first time you have to do it, it's going to be harder. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. The way no just flies out of my fucking mouth now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think about it. It just chucks itself across my lips. That's how good I am at this at this point. Yeah, like the first few times I struggled with the whole you know, dropping a guy at the first sign of disrespect, because I used to be the sort of person who wanted to rationalize all of a guy's imperfections. And I would be like, well, I'm not perfect either. And so blah, 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 I should give him a chance. And so it's tough the first few times, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. And now it's just, I don't even think about it. I don't even feel bad. You just go for it. And another thing too, with the pre-screening is you can, you can do a lot of the work, at least for the guys you meet online by doing the pre-screen that's in the FDS handbook. Um, where you talk to them on the phone and do some kind of FaceTime, either Skype or, you know, iPhone, yeah, iPhone FaceTime, Google chats, whatever, uh, to get an idea of like, there's certain, there's certain things that don't translate well through text that you'll pick up from talking to them face to face. So by talking to them on FaceTime, you can start to notice their mannerisms. You can make sure they look like their picture you know, look at any tells that might indicate that they're lying, you know, or if, the, you know, if they can't even be bothered to make sure their background doesn't look disgusting when they FaceTime you. True. That's actually it's so true. You can tell more from their background, almost not more, but you can tell a lot just from their background. Yeah. It's been interesting to watch some of these journalists. This is kind of a side note, but if you've been watching like journalists do a lot of their shows from home, some of them don't bother to clean up their backgrounds. And it's just like, aren't you embarrassed right now? Embarrassed? <laughs> like, embarrassing. I can see your laundry. <laughs> embarrassing. Very embarrassing. Is that like a regional accent? Like, what is that from? Oh, it's a meme. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I heard it from like... That one TikTok? Oh, I think I know the one you're talking about. She's a British girl called, um, called I think it was like Nella Rose. And she was like, are you not embarrassed? Embarrassing. Yeah, she's like British. Yeah. As an aside. <laughs> yeah, but also, so yeah, you can do all that. But also like, you'll start to see, okay, is there a spark here? Is there a vibe? Is this person boring? Is this person distracted? And then after that, you can decide if you want to go on a full date. And also you can set your boundary, which is like, I expect to be taken on a date. Like we already did our little coffee chat, quote unquote, meetup by doing the Skype thing. So there's no reason to, you know, like try to cheap out <laughs> on the next time we meet in, in person. 
And I'd also say the pre-vetting call, don't make it too long. Like, don't spend two, three hours talking to them. Yes. Just, just like, schedule it in. Because I always like to say, like, from a work standpoint, always keep, like, meetings as short as possible because people tend to default to one hour oh yes but more often than not you don't need you know it's not going to take an hour so 30 minutes like max you should be able to get a feel of them and that's that but don't spend ages talking to them because some men they'll then see that as the date and then when you ask them or (laughs) when you expect them sorry not even ask them to take you out somewhere nicer they'll just keep you know like lowballing you as well deflecting a lot of guys do that on purpose to create false intimacy yes and so i've met so i've talked to so many of my girlfriends where they're saying like oh my god i talked to this guy for like four hours until like two in the morning and i'm like don't do that don't do that first of all like don't stay up past your bedtime if you normally go to bed at 10 and you talk to a guy at 9 30 and 10 o'clock rolls around you go hey i work tomorrow you know i gotta gotta hang up and if he acts like a little bitch about it next him anyways most of the time if if he's a good man he'll respect that exactly so that that also that's your first boundary setting right yeah it's a matter of boundary setting that's the first time you set a boundary watch how he reacts exactly so that goes to our next point that i think savannah already touched on is that some people don't like rotational dating because they're like oh it's so much time you know i'm busy i have a busy schedule again if you're ruthless with your time and energy you should be able to pencil it in and by keeping your date short especially your screening dates really really short you can really get in i don't know like i mean five six guys a week if you want to 100 percent. so what i currently do at the moment is outlet calendar or gmail calendar they get two hours max a week the ones i like more get longer the ones i like less get shorter um and that's how i play it so and on different days as well it's not like two hours in one go but an hour maybe tuesday an hour like wednesday um yeah, that's how you can play it. It doesn't have to be. I think when people think of rotational dating, you have to be spending your entire evenings with men. Don't do that. Um, you can, yeah, you can schedule. I mean, a date can still be high effort without it taking the whole evening. Um, and yeah, and I think that also makes you more, it makes them value your time more if they know that you don't have time for them all the time as well. Um, they they come correct, like the guy who gets the most time, he's never been late, for example, if I say, t- you know, 12pm, and we're in different time zones as well, he's an hour ahead, but if I say 12pm UK time, because it's on my time, he's there literally at 12pm, he's literally never been a minute late, and if he is running late, he'll say, I'm going to be 10 minutes late, like 30 minutes before, so they respect your time more as well, if you play it that way. Yeah, and that's why the coffee date thing is such a scam too, because especially when it's wintertime, like I don't want to drive across town. Like yeah, fuck that. think about like having to dig your car out and then of the snow and then drive across town to have coffee with somebody. Like, I'm not doing that shit. Like <laughs> And I don't even drink coffee as well. So this is why coffee dates and drink dates. I don't drink and I don't drink coffee. Right. So having the pre screen Skype date allows you to like sit in the comfort of your own home you know cut them off when you're realizing the date's not going anywhere and only leave your house for when a guy has demonstrated uh, that he can one show you a good time plan a fun date and also that he's interesting enough and engaging enough for you to want to spend an evening with him yes exactly the other thing about a pre-vetting call is that it sets the standards for how you expect to be treated i think i mentioned you know establishing queen energy from day one day one is the vetting call facts so on to our next subject. So let's say you do meet a decent handful of guys and you start dating them, meaning like going out regularly on dates. How do you de-escalate the situation if they're trying to monopolize more of your time or trying to push for sex? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's one of those things that's going to depend on... It's sort of hard to describe when you're not in the situation when you're in the situation, it really depends on like how, first of all, how pushy is he being? If he's being very pushy, like very disrespectful, that's when you just basically, you just walk out. You don't even care about trying to be polite. You just say like, there have been times actually where if a guy was being really inappropriate, I just ask him to pull over and I just leave. 
I'll just pull, just like, oh, could you just pull over here real quick? Oh, yeah, okay. Just like open the door, walk away, get a taxi home. Yeah. Um, don't let that guy know where you live, definitely. But in the moment, I don't know, there's there's a certain way of communicating where you you just say, like, oh, you, at first you'll try to be like indirect, like, oh, not tonight, or, you know, I had a great time looking forward to seeing you again, something like that. And if he's a decent man, he'll usually get the message. Like, he, you won't have to say directly, like, I don't fuck on the first date or second date or third date or whatever. A lot of times the guy will just respect that. But if he's not respecting that, like, then that's when you know to move on. How I've played this in the past that I think has been work is I just, like, straight up tell them I like to take things slow and I like a slow ex- escalation. Um, so it kind of sets expectations in the beginning because at some point they'll try to steer the conversation towards sex. Like if you're starting to um, hang out a lot, you know, you know, you start to ramp up the flirting and you start to ramp up like the, maybe the touching. And then just, I just kind of tell them, you know, I, I date a lot on here and I don't, you know, I don't know you that well. So I like to make sure that you know, when I have sex with someone, it means something like it means something to me. So I like to make out or I'll just tell them like, I just like to take things slow. I you know, I just want to kiss or I just want to see how you I just want to see how you know, you kiss or something like that, like something playful. Um, but also like sets a boundary of what I'm willing to do. Yeah. And if they're if they're a pushy asshole, then they just go guys who are pushy for sex and not giving you your boundary. Um, that's a red flag. And that's when you cut those guys off because they're not going to, they're probably not even going to be good in bed. They're honestly going to be shitty in bed. Yeah, that's so true. The guys who are the most pushy for sex are usually the worst. Garbage. Garbage and sex. 100%. 100%. Facts. They got to strong arm women into it because they know that like, there's no repeat customers. <laughs> there's no repeat customers. It's one and done. No. That's why they go for the high pressure sales tactics. It's like the same way that a pyramid scheme or a scam works right they do the high pressure sales tactics they want to close the first conversation they have with you because they know that they don't have any repeat customers their dick is dry as the sahara yeah it is really just a matter of like having boundaries and sticking to it and if a guy isn't respecting your boundaries that's when you walk it's really simple like you you'll know in the moment and that's why we say like a lot of women will say like oh but what if i don't know in the moment or what if i've been in this situation and i've you know and i've uh succumbed to the pressure and so on like the more practice you get saying no, the easier it gets. Yeah. And there's different techniques. I mean, you, there's the in the moment technique, but there's also like, if you're on the phone and you're flirting or you're at the dinner and you're flirting, like you can tell them prior to you being in the car alone or wherever you are going to be alone. Or, or if you, or if you go to his house, which we'll, we'll touch on house dates in the next segment, but it's, it's good to bridge that conversation in a place that's more neutral. So you know, if you're starting to turn up the heat because you like this guy and you want to make it sexual, but just not necessarily right away, then you can be sexy with him, but just state your boundary while you're being sexy with him. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. When you're stating boundaries, it doesn't have to be like this serious, like dour thing, right? You don't have to be like angrily stating your boundaries, right? There's a certain way of communicating it where it's like playful and, and still sexy. And that's what I meant earlier when I said like, being kind of indirect like you don't want to just be like i don't know if you are too direct it'll just come across like socially awkward there's a certain way and it depends on the guy and on the situation but there's a certain way of uh you know try to be witty with it you know you gotta have both in your tool set because some guys do need that and those guys are low value men some guys you gotta straight up be like you i don't want to be touched you know what i mean like yeah that's but that's what i mean like if they don't under if they don't get the indirect that's when or if they're just like bulldozing past your polite attempts that's when you know like okay fuck this guy and then you move on right but if he's a he's a good man he'll usually get it when you're being playful about it yeah if you're being flirty and setting a boundary a lot of shitty guys will take that as an invitation to test your boundaries and push this is what i'm saying like yeah cut him off like if you're play if you are playful about setting a boundary and the guy pushes you that's how you know that he doesn't respect boundaries. Like he will see that as a signal to try harder. Yeah, there we go. Whereas if you're playful and friendly about it, in my personal experience, at least like the truly good men will take that at face value and then be like, okay. And like maybe next time kind of thing. Right. Exactly. So if he, if he doesn't respect your boundary or if he tries to push more when you're being playful, that is an immediate red flag. And that is, first of all, I guarantee you that sex will be trash. (laughs) Like, (laughs) 
I can almost bet you, like, those guys who are pushy, the sex is going to be trash. So uh, that is that is a deal breaker. That's one of our red flags, I think, on the handbook that guys who are pushy for sex, like, even when you're setting a soft boundary, especially if you're setting a hard – if you set a hard boundary, he's a fucking rapist. Like, run. But a soft boundary – He may not be a full-on rapist, but he could be, like, a coercive rapist, you know? Like, where – He'll just badger a woman into sex and then she just gives in kind of thing because... And that's the energy he's going to take into sex for the rest of your relationship. And that, like... And that's going to be a nightmare life. Ugh. That, like, weird badgering. Like, because it's not seductive either, right? Because think about that. Like, is he trying to seduce you? Is he just trying to, like, attack you? It's just so... It makes me feel like a cornered rat when men do stuff like that. It doesn't make me feel like sexually attracted to them. It makes me feel threatened. Yeah, it immediately sets me in fight or flight mode. Yeah, exactly. It kills the mood when a guy's being pushy. You know, you go from like fun, flirty, sexy to like, oh God, am I going to get like fucking sexually assaulted right now? Right? Like you immediately kills the mood. So yeah, move on from guys like that for sure. And with that, sometimes we get um, some confusion about multi-dating where some women think that if you're dating multiple guys you have to be sleeping with multiple guys and friends with benefits is quite a bit different from multi-dating yeah definitely the difference between friends with benefits and multi-dating is first of all friends with benefits is it's almost more emphasis on the benefits and not the friends whereas with casual dating it's almost like you're actually getting to know the person not necessarily as a friend, but like as a sexy friend. I don't know. How do, how do you describe it? It's like you actually want to spend time with that person because of that person as opposed to friends with benefits. You're just a free hooker, pretty much. <laughs> free low-cost discount rack prostitute. <laughs> yeah. Free prostitute FP. And this is not to drag any, like, this is not to drag, like, anyone that's ever been a friend with benefits, but that's just the way that men treat it, right? Yeah, like, when guys approach friends with benefits, they think, basically are treating you like a masturbatory tool that's exactly it like the men friends with benefits a lot of times the guy doesn't even care about your pleasure i mean i wouldn't know but from what i've heard from what i've heard about other one talking about friends with benefits like it sounds like he usually doesn't it's he's coming there to for his nut and doesn't really care about you that much whereas with casual dating you are actually getting to know one another as people and at least in theory if you're doing it right should get to know and actually care about one another as a person and care about the other person's pleasure when you do eventually have sex yeah exactly um i think and the other thing too is like we should we can do a whole other episode on friends with benefits and why it's a bad idea but you know in order for you to stay emotionally detached from from a guy you have sex with there's got to be something you don't like about him probably low value behaviors right like so having a man around who's not adding to your life in a material way i mean it's like dick is first of all dick is a button and a low value uh vibrators are also very effective it's almost it's almost hard for me to believe that the value of having a friends with benefits in your life versus like what we propose as a multi-dating strategy that the friends with benefits would actually take away from your multi-dating strategy because you would be spending too much time investing even in that low investment relationship that's the thing and you still bear all the risks the physical risks associated with it for example stis pregnancy and all that and all that for for somebody who is who has to sort of be low value because you wouldn't want to be friends with benefits with the man who's high value you'd want him to be your boyfriend so you have to sort of yeah you have to settle for somebody and again the risk of orgasms or the risk of you know not having an orgasm is exponentially high because even guys have said like they won't like for example on like reddit and stuff they'll say you know i don't go down on a girl unless she's my girlfriend but of course they'll expect blowjobs from their friends with benefits but anyway that's an aside yeah it seems almost like friends with benefits seems to be something that women will settle for when they want that guy to be their boyfriend but the guy is like a commitment phobe or something and so, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't get that. It just sounds like a recipe for heartbreak, you know? Um, and so if you are casual dating, on the other hand, you're meeting this per- and this person, the, the energy is different. When you're casual dating the other person, it's like they're trying to prove themselves. It's like they want you to commit to them. They want you to like them. They're putting effort into impressing you. With friends with benefits, they're not putting effort into impressing you. They're just there to get their dick wet. 
Like they're just pulling up. <laughs> I don't know. Another thing, I've heard some people do friends with benefits like with an ex. Like, is that a thing where, you know, you break up, but you still want to fuck them sometimes? Yeah, I've been I've been guilty of that, like prolonging relationships just out of like habit after you break up and sometimes it's just because i like need shit like i know i've asked an ex to help me move (laughs) and still like having sex during that time i don't know oh yeah that's the other benefit of a dating rotation is i i some guys if i know that they're not husband material i put them in the manual labor category (laughs) and so if i ever need like help with landscaping or with moving and stuff like that um, more often than not, they'll like pull up and be like, yes, I get to like prove I'm a big, strong, manly man, pick up heavy things, that kind of shit. And they'll like, they'll ego lift my moving boxes. <laughs> I don't know. Now I hear you. <laughs> they're still useful to me. <laughs> that's some, that's adding some value. So win-win. Yeah, they're adding value. They might not be husband material, but they're adding value to my life. So that's why I keep them around. I don't know. I, the more I talk about multi-dating, more I sound like a monster. No, Why? <laughs> I don't know. No, you don't. People are going to listen to this and think I'm a sociopath. (laughs) I mean, to me, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's the benefit of doing this strategy. Like, I don't particularly care that men are mad about that. Yeah, like, you have one guy who does manual labor, one guy who takes you to cool restaurants, one guy you do adventure stuff with, one guy who does manual labor for you. Like, there's a different guy for each uh, function in your life, right? Like, that's... Yep. That's how I approach casual dating. Oh, another thing is, like, with casual dating... We say on FDS, the man has to be marriage-minded. And the reason for that is if the guy is approaching casual dating in a casual way, the woman almost always is going to be left unsatisfied because he's just going to put in less effort. The man needs to be marriage-minded, even if you as the woman are not marriage-minded. Like, I'm not marriage-minded. I'm not in a rush to get married and have kids. I'm not really into the whole idea of having kids. But dating guys where they want to get married and have kids tends to be a much more beneficial relationship to me. Yeah, because I mean, they're they're working on their relationship skills, right? That's the guy who's actually worked on how to relate to women versus just the other guys who, again, see online dating as a catalog of free prostitutes. That's exactly it. Like guys who approach dating in a casual way, that's exactly it. They see women as a catalog of free prostitutes. Guys who approach dating where they're looking for a relationship, they are going to put more effort into trying to impress you. All right, so let's say you start to zero in on one guy or one or two guys that you're liking. You've been hanging out for a while. Things are starting to escalate to a more sexual level, and you want to do a house date. We don't recommend doing any house dates before you've really gotten to the place where you're seriously considering having sex with this guy because once you do a house date, they're going to you they'll start pressuring for all your interactions to be house dates because they'll start to kind of turn up the uh at least the, the crappy guys will turn up the uh, sexual escalation to 11 and uh, start pressing you to do the Netflix and chill. And then when you're in his house, that's when you start to get the real psycho energy come out. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that TikTok that was posted at FDS a while ago about this guy who was literally screaming at the girl in the background, like, why did you come over here if you don't want to have sex? You know, you'll have to deal with that kind of psychotic energy if you haven't done all the steps that we recommended before. So let's say you are ready to go to his house maybe not have sex yet and actually we recommend not having sex the first time you visit his house because what are you doing on that first time judging him checking out (laughs) yeah vetting him making sure he doesn't live like a fucking slob and you also want to make sure that he's not like a mattress surfer as well you don't want a mattress surfer get a guy with a bed frame i'm really sad that this is a thing that we have to state i'm actually kind of depressed because like, why do we have to tell them that you need a bed frame? So let me let me explain, actually, for people listening. It's because mattresses collect a lot of moisture. So you need a bed frame to allow for air circulation. <laughs> if you have your mattress directly on the floor, it'll collect mold and mildew. And me, because I have asthma, so I'm actually very sensitive to these things. That's why I need to have a bed frame that's pretty high off the ground. And like with fans and stuff to allow air circulation. I'm very sensitive to mold. Um, so yeah, that's why I don't fuck guys who don't have bed frames. A considerate man would never make you fuck on a bed without a bed frame. No. And that shit's gonna move, right? Like, that's the other thing. It's gonna slide around on the floor. <laughs> like, you gonna have his bed frame moving across the hardwood floor? Yeah, what the kind of, like, low rent? Yeah, you are a queen, not a trafficked Romanian hooker, okay? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. 
I've actually only ever had sex once. I've only ever had sex once on a mattress on the floor. And that's what it felt like is I felt like a cheap hooker. And you want to know my clown shit story? I didn't have sex on um, on a mattress, but like I had he had a bed and everything. But he literally bragged to me. He was like, I really want to downsize in my apartment. And I was like, why? And he was like, well, I just feel like I could get rid of some of my stuff and save space. And then he was talking about taking his bed frame out. And I'm like, if I had come over and you didn't have a bed frame, I wouldn't have hooked up with you. He's like, I bet I could have convinced a lot of women to have sex on the floor, on the bed, on a bed frameless bed, on a frameless bed. And I should have seen that right there is like testing my boundaries. And like this guy was like, even though he had a bed frame, he was mentally still uh, a frameless man. He was a fr- mentally a frameless man. Frameless man. <laughs> like he, he was mentally frameless. So that's a red flag. Some of these guys out here have bed frames, but like inside they're, they're mentally in their minds and hearts frameless. You're mentally frameless. That's a thing. <laughs> yeah. That's a thing now. Okay. So that was a red flag. That was a red flag that I ignored in a relationship that I eventually ended. I would literally rather fuck in the forest than fuck on a mattress on the floor. Yeah. I'd rather have forest sex than that. <laughs> yeah, same. At least you see the night sky. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather have sex in a tent while camping than on a mattress on the floor. It's just a totally different thing. I, any, any man that would even ask that of you is low value. Even if he has a bed frame. If he even gets an attitude about you, like saying, I would never fuck on a frameless bed, dump his ass. Trust me. I know this from experience. <laughs> Remember a while back, there's there's a bunch of guys posting pictures of their bed frames and they were like, well, at least now I can date someone from FDS. Like it's become a meme where I only fuck guys with bed frames. <laughs> and wash your pillows. And the guys have internalized that and they're like, oh shit. Suddenly, <laughs> why do we have to tell you these things? Imagine after this episode gets posted, like sales of bed frames go shoot through the roof. <laughs> I swear to God, if you sell bed frames and you want to advertise on our show, we will read your shit. Let us know. Who knows so Maybe we'll get like, I don't know, a sponsorship from like a bed company. <laughs> I'm going to send an email to Helix Mattresses and be like, yeah, I've got an episode for you. (laughs) Shaming men into basic household care. Basically, you go to a guy's house to judge him. (laughs) To see how does he live? Because a man's home is a reflection of his soul. (laughs) If it's messy, if it's dirty, his soul is messy Uh... and dirty. And the other thing is, it will be the cleanest it will ever be on the first date. If you go there and it's dirty, it's not like he's going to suddenly start giving a shit after you've been dating him a while. Like, it's never going to get better than that. So, and the, oh, here's another thing. Check the toilet. See, if he really, really cares about you, he will wipe the dust and stuff around the bottom of the toilet. If he doesn't do that, he doesn't care about you. And there won't be any skid marks. Yeah, there won't be any freaking brown skid marks on the toilet seat. And there'll be extra toilet paper rolls and there'll be a little trash can for you to throw out your tampons. Yeah, if he cares about you. He'll do these things. And here's the thing, like Gail Dines mentioned, you know, you got to find a guy that's, uh, you know, mostly good. And then you got to sort of train him up. If he doesn't currently have a trash can and you ask him to get a trash can and if he does it, that's a good sign. But if he if you want a trash can and he makes a big fuss out of it, that's a deal breaker. Swipe left. I, I mean, I again in college, I don't know how these guys make it to adulthood and like don't know that women have periods or maybe they just don't have sisters and they've never been around women that had periods but like I had a guy make a big deal that I left a pad like rolled up in the bottom of of his his trash can in the bathroom and he was like well I put my shaving in there and I'm like okay it's trash right <laughs> so take the bag out and then like throw the whole thing in the dumpster but they were like really really upset that like when they uh when I guess his roommate, like this is back in college when his roommate like took out the trash, he could see the pad at like the bottom of the trash bag and it was a clear trash bag. I'm like, okay, so just throw it out. Like what are you freaking out about? I don't know. Yeah. That's a low maturity. Like if a guy gets grossed out by periods and stuff, like imagine what it's going to be like to be in a relationship with him. Like once a month, every week, like for one full week, every month, he's just going to be like, ew, like engrossed out by you. Like, no, that's not long-term relationship material. Right. And so um, to cap off um, this episode, a final, I guess, point in favour of um, 
of multi-dating is the concept of you're single until you're married. This is a concept that is that is spoken about on the subreddit, but essentially it is it's it centers around the idea that if a man you know really wants to make you um exclusive to only him, like he should marry you because that is um like the highest form of commitment and whether you believe in you know marriage um you know from a religious standpoint or not that is a fair argument because like marriage gives you all sorts of legal protections that cohabiting doesn't but anyway um this has been and actually my aunt um like story time she actually had three boyfriends for several years um and they all knew about each other um so she multi-dated quite intimately for several years um and she used to tell me to you know always have I remember when she told me actually the first time I looked at her like she was crazy because I was like how can you have all that time for you know for three boyfriends but she did anyway and she was only sleeping with one of them as well um and that was the one that eventually um came to be her husband um but yeah she she multi-dated until she got married to to the one that she wanted um and the funny thing was they they all seemed to eat out of her hand as well <laughs> queen yeah that's the thing when you multi-date your attitude changes and men will eat out of your hand. It is like magic. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I aspire to be like her. <laughs> they still took her out on dates. They still, like, it wasn't, they didn't treat her any like less than a girlfriend. And I guarantee, I think she was, like, their only girlfriend. But she had three of them on the go who all knew about each other. Oh, they all knew about each other. Nice. So, yeah, more power to you an alpha move there yeah they knew about each other <laughs> your aunt is a is an alpha bitch i love that i mean that in the most loving way mad <laughs> <laughs> respect base but um i wanted to say one last thing about the idea that a lot of women seem to have that you can get the same benefits from multi-dating by just acting as though you're multi-dating when you're not actually multi-dating and i said earlier you can't just will yourself to have a different perspective and the main reason for that is because whether we like it or not, or whether we agree with it or not, in dating, whoever is the less interested party has the more power. And women enter the dating world already at a disadvantage because women are socialized since we're very young to think that marriage and having kids and so on is the most important thing. So women are socialized to be more invested in relationships than men. And men are taught that relationships aren't that important for them and that all they need to do is get laid. That's that's what we're socialized to believe. So because women are already at a disadvantage in the dating world, because we're told to be more invested, that gives us less power. The way to counteract that socialization is to essentially multi-date. That's the fix for that sort of part of our socialization and will help you be less invested in these relationships and help you reclaim that power. Good deal. All right. So that's our show. Please check out our Twitter at FemDetStrat as well as our Patreon Patreon forward slash the female dating strategy and submit your roast disc in your Gnosis so we can read it on the air um, as well as our website, thefemaledatingstrategy.com. Thanks for listening, Queens. And for all you scrotes out there, get a fucking bed frame. <laughs> Die mad. <laughs> See you next week. Bye guys. Bye.